You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. This is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made for This podcast. Hey, guys. So it is a huge week for us here in Dallas, Texas, if lead 2020 is less than a week away. And I'm telling you, this is something you are not going to want to miss. Now, I know some of you are thinking, wait, I'm not a leader. I'll wait for big if early next year. Nope. Nope. This is for you. And I'm telling you the timeliness of these messages, the timeliness of us coming together and talking about what's happening in our world and how we lead through it. All of us have to make decisions about how we move forward in this time, and I believe this is going to help you. So today, we're going to give you just a little taste of some of the breakouts. There are too many of them to be able to watch on Saturday. So some of you already bought a day pass. Go ahead and upgrade because you're going to want access to this content all year long. It is $49 to get access to the entire year. If you cannot afford it, $29 is a great price. You're going to get so much out of that day pass as well. But I'd encourage you to get the bonus pass where you get all the loot mailed to your house or the year-long pass so you'll have time to marinate on the content to process it over time because, you know, one day it's pretty short. So don't miss it. You're going to love it. I'll be leading live with Jamie Ivey and Tony Collier here from Dallas. Go buy your pass at iflead2020.com. That's where you can go see the different options and make a decision and send this to all your friends. Do not let your friends miss this. In fact, if you want to gather outside or gather safely somewhere, I think it would be so great to go through this together with a group of friends. So today we're going to get to hear from Annie Downs, Jefferson Bethke, and Dr. Anita Phillips. You're going to love all of it, but you're only going to get a little taste. So you've got to go sign up so you can get the whole big shindig. I cannot wait to take you on this journey together. So please, please, please come be a part. The second thing we need to recognize through this war in Gethsemane, this emotional war, is that these intense emotions are linked to their bodies. After admitting how he was feeling emotionally and recognizing that the disciples were also struggling, he said the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He didn't say the heart was weak. He didn't say his emotions were weak. He didn't say his mind was weak. He said the spirit is willing, the spirit is ready, but the flesh is weak. And when we look at Luke chapter 22, it says Jesus found the disciples sleeping for sorrow, sleeping for sorrow. The kind of sorrow that people have when they are in mourning, it made the disciples sleepy. I believe that many of you listening to me today may be having this experience. Our nation, our world is grieving, mourning. We have all lost something this year, if nothing more than our sense of safety. Our entire reality has shifted. We are grieving normal. We are grieving familiar. We are grieving safety. Some are grieving literal illness or death. Furthermore, not knowing what may be coming next or when all of this will end leaves us in a state of what's called ambiguous grief. 
These grief experiences can lead to fatigue, headaches, mixed up sleep cycles, dizziness, difficulty concentrating. There can be increases in blood pressure, random muscle pain and body aches, digestive issues and appetite changes. But because we work hard to actually avoid feeling the hard stuff and we haven't been taught to consider emotional issues when our bodies do stuff, many of us are missing the real issue at hand. And so like the disciples, you might just be trying to sleep it off. We joke about this 15 pounds that people have gained during the pandemic, but it's not necessarily about boredom. It could be this morning behavior, trying to find a way to make the body feel better and feel less of that pain. When Jesus is battling his terror in prayer with strong crying and tears, his body is reacting so strongly that he actually begins to bleed. Blood vessels are bursting around his head and mixing with the sweat that's pouring off of him. This is how intense his emotional pain was. This reaction, which now modern medicine calls hematohydrosis, hope I said that one right, is a rare condition, but it does occur and it is most commonly caused by acute fear when facing death or torture. Modern reported cases have included men sentenced to death and a woman in fear of being raped. So Jesus was no doubt experiencing intense fear. The next important lesson here in this emotionally painful space is that it made them vulnerable to temptation. Temptation is a mental state that entices us to lapse in our faith or to outright sin. This mental state is dangerous for any Christian, but it's especially dangerous to us as leaders. Jesus says to the disciples, look, don't get into that mental place. Don't go to that mindset. Don't let this emotional pain put you into a mental space that could cause you to fall in a way that hurts you and could discourage those who follow you. Jesus gave the disciples a way to protect themselves from that mental state. He told them to watch. What does that word watch mean? It means to give strict attention to something, to be cautious and to be active or vigilant. When our bodies signal emotional pain, we need to pay attention, but we don't want to. We don't want to watch. Peter and the others would rather let sleep take over than to feel like that. My body is trying to put me to sleep so I don't feel this. What do you do to avoid how you might be feeling? Do you get sleepy too? Binge Netflix? Deep clean the bathroom, eat ice cream, play with the kids, just ignore it. How do you resist watching? How do you try not to feel what you feel? Jesus is our hero in this moment for many reasons, but one is because he refuses to avoid. He chooses to watch. He chooses to be alert. He chooses to give attention to and be present with the emotional pain that he is feeling. That is emotional health. Emotional health is the ability to name and acknowledge feelings, fully experience them, express them, and allow them to pass. And we saw Jesus do every one of those things in the garden. Emotional health doesn't mean I'm happy all the time. It means that I can acknowledge, accept, and experience my feelings. That means I am alert. I am aware of my feelings. I am watching myself. And so Jesus watched and he prayed. He allowed his body though also to process the emotion that he was experiencing. 
The process was so intense on his body that he bled, but he stayed present with it. He prayed, he was strengthened, he triumphed, he won that war in that space, but Peter didn't because Peter didn't watch. He took the exit that his body offered him and because he didn't watch, he didn't pray and he entered into temptation, a mental state that enticed him to sin. How do we know? Because when they left the garden and Jesus was confronted by Judas and the soldiers, Peter cut off that soldier's ear. Peter was still carrying that emotion with him. And then that was him failing. He entered into the temptation, but Jesus had watched. He had been present. He had processed that thing in the presence of God. And so in his triumph, he neither fought nor tried to escape, nor did he freeze. He was clear and he was present enough to both admonish Peter and heal that soldier's ear. My God. This is the difference between continuing in your leadership with integrity as Jesus did and failing as Peter did or failing as Moses did when he struck that rock twice. This is the difference between leading with integrity and doing what Paul is striving not to do, which is becoming a castaway after having preached to others. And you can't avoid that failure without addressing your emotional pain. go about your day, think about how much your space orients around tech or hurry or anxiousness. And can you almost gamify and have fun of taking tech from the center and putting it on the fringes? A couple easy examples I'll talk about that in our house, right? Here's another way to put it. Tech and all these different types of things, they want to be frictionless because they want you to be able to engage with them as easy as possible with no barriers. Your job is to do the opposite. Put a bunch of friction so that it's harder to engage with them and just fall into the trap, right? One easy one is like screens or TV, right? So, you know, um, a big thing in our house is we refuse to face a living room towards a TV because we believe there's, and there's nothing wrong with that if that's you. But for us in our home, we don't want, there's like a, there's to us, there's like a ritualistic worship type nature there of like, man, we're showing by even how we've shaped our space that this thing up here is the focal point, is the center, is what all, is what we want relationships to point towards, right? And so not only is it out of the way, but then I also built this like hidden little contraption where it's like it disappears into the like floor and into our cabinets with like a little elevator. It's super fun. I'm a nerd. I like that stuff. That's one example, right? So put technology on the fringes, not the center, right? Center and shape your space for what you want. Creations, maybe put instruments in that living room, right? Relationship, face the couches towards each other. You know, you can just go on and on. Another one similar with that is tech, right? You, you should, this should not be in your bedroom. This should not be on your nightstand. It should not be in your nightstand because that's shaping space in a way where, how, why would you not look at it first thing when you wake up, right? And a lot of us go, oh, alarm clock, alarm clock, you know, whatever. Okay, uh, there's like $5 alarm clocks on Amazon, right? There's like $2 ones. You can probably get one on, I don't know, Poshmark, Goodwill, wherever for 50 cents. That's what Alyssa actually did, um, you know, a long time ago. She went and just got like an analog, terrible old clock and it, and it works just great. So now this thing gets leashed in my office right over here in this cupboard. It literally gets plugged in at night and I can't, and my, my rule is not to look at it first thing in the morning. And of course I fill up that sometimes and to not look at it last thing before I go to bed. And these practices I've noticed do something to my heart. Day over day, they do something where I'm formed into a little bit slower, a little bit more anchored presence that, the, that then can more easily speak to the Lord, hear from him. It's almost tuning your ears to be able to hear that the way God speaks. 
And so that's one is shape space. What would it look like when you leave today to just like, that doesn't mean throw it out the window. I'm not saying that. I'm saying shape your space. Technology is such a blessing, right? The way we're able to FaceTime with our grandparents who don't live here. Like here's another thing too is tech or screen time. It's not all created equal. There's a massive difference between a kid watching an iPad for nine hours over in the corner and a family movie night where you cuddle up and there's popcorn and that's a tradition that'll last for 20 years. Those are two radically different things, but they're not in the functionality of like movie and movie, right? So shape your space, use it for blessing, use it for good and put it on the fringes so you're not sucked into that vortex and allow the vortex of God's love to suck you in instead. That was kind of cheesy, but it just came to me. <laughs> but it's true. It's true that, there, that when you do that, you're setting more of a really beautiful stage for God to work in the way he wants to. So all you guys are leaders. I'm thankful for you. And I just want to let you know you have what it takes. And this moment right now in our culture with the tension, the vitriol is our moment for leaders. It's our moment that God wants to not only sanctify us and grow us in the pains of it, but also use us to bring the new humanity the new family of God to more and more fruition, which is our job as this kingdom comes down on earth as it is in heaven. And might that be true through you and through how you engage with these different types of things to be a non-anxious presence for the Lord and for his love. So a couple questions, you have some time. Question one is, can I point to my practices with technology and say they are making me a more loving and less hurried person? And get specific, literally get out a piece of paper and say, okay, my phone, maybe the TV, maybe, you know, Alexa, maybe the way I use automobiles, any type of innovation of car, or I mean, innovation or, or current thing. And just ask yourself, and then maybe another little column that says like, what are adjectives or traits that this turns me into? The car, the reason I mentioned the car, by the way, is it's, have you ever noticed how like people are getting all crazy in the car and then they're flipping people off and they're angry and all of a sudden they show up to church and just, oh, bless your heart, right? Not they're like all Christianly all of a sudden. Things do something to us, the speed, whatever, right? And so just, just when you, when you kind of get out of the matrix, I feel like it does something. So that's, can I point to my practices with technology and say they are making me a more loving and less hurried person and get specific and then get specific with the adjectives and ask, how can you reshape those? Number two, last one is what would be one easy starting point to implement one daily counterformation, one weekly counterformation, and one yearly counterformation. And even if that intimidates you or is too much, just pick one and then pick one example. Just pick daily, weekly, yearly, don't pick all three, and just pick one and say, I'm gonna start practicing this. Not perfecting this, I'm gonna start practicing this. Um, and I'm gonna step into that. I'm gonna learn what this means. make time to be discipled or to disciple someone else. Here is the biggest hindrance in many of our lives. If you can get over the hurdle that you're not worthy enough to disciple someone, the next hurdle is I don't have the time. I, when I was uh, in my 20s and I lived in Atlanta, there was a woman and married two kids and they would just have me over for dinner. I would come over and eat dinner and I would watch the whole thing after school. I mean, the whole thing. Middle schoolers, they were wild, homework, getting dinner done. I would help a little bit with dinner. We would sit and eat and then the husband and the kids would go do whatever and we would sit and talk for 40 minutes or an hour. Again, we haven't even talked about this. It doesn't have to be nine hours every time you meet, you guys. It can be 30 minutes. It can be Marco Polo's for five minutes. It can be an hour slot like Becca and I have every other week. Every conversation doesn't have to last for five hours, okay? Okay. So we would talk for a couple of minutes after dinner. She did not change her life. She invited me in. 
She didn't have extra time uh, to give me her whole evening once a month, but she sure had enough extra time to give me 30 minutes after I helped her do dishes when we had eaten dinner with the family. Right? So, so you've got the time. One of the girls here that I used to disciple that was in my small group, very often I would pick them up. I remember doing this really clearly with one girl named Anna. I would pick them up while I was running errands and they would go with me. They were college students, so they were free from like, you know, noon to always. And so I would pick them up and they would just run errands with me. And then we'd go get a Coke Icy from Burger King and go sit at a park and talk. I mean, I, I am busy. Y'all are busy. There is a lot going on in our lives. But what we know is that we have this invitation from God to invest in the women that are coming up behind us, either spiritually, physically, emotionally, relationally, whatever. And we can fit them into our lives. So how do you make time for discipleship? Is you just make time for discipleship. Same, how do you make time to sleep? Well, you can't live without it. How do you make time to eat? I know we're eating. Right? How do you make time to see your friends? How do you make time to watch your shows? How do you make time to get on your Peloton? How do you make time to go on a job? You just make time for the things that matter most to you that you think are going to give you the exact life you want. You make time for it. And that is absolutely true about discipleship. And so you need to ask God and start looking around, right? Do you know that thing of when you buy like a, when you buy a blue car, you suddenly notice that everybody has blue cars. When you buy a certain kimono, you notice that like four other people that day wore that kimono. The same is true. When you start praying and looking for the answers, they're kind of everywhere. And so that's my prayer for you. And I am going to pray for us as we go that I know there are people who have been hurt in discipleship relationships and you think, I can't do this again. Well, I hear you and I believe you. And I believe that, that relationships, there are probably people who would say to you that they have been hurt in a discipleship relationship by Annie F. Downs, right? I'm very human, but we don't quit when we get hurt. We don't quit when we get hurt. That's not when we walk away. So we ask God for healing. We forgive. Unforgiveness only shackles you, right? So we forgive and we move on and look for healthier relationships. The healthier you get, the healthier the relationships are that come along for you. And when you get hurt in them, the healthier the recovery is. And so we keep trying. We keep trying. I've been hurt in both these types of relationships, but we just can't. We just can't quit. And so my prayer for you is that you won't quit, that you'll keep looking, that you'll keep investing, and that you will give your life to them. So let me pray for us. Lord, for all of our friends, God, I ask that you would give them right eyes about this, that they would see what you've called them to, that they would see the invitation from you, that they would actually just look around their village, look around their life, and they would see these women who have always been there. And they would see that, that they have something to offer. God, I just ask that you would align our schedules, align our hearts, and let us be a generation who not only invests well, but learns well from the women above us. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Ah, that was so good. 
and I want you to not miss the rest of it. You get to hear it all on August 15th. So go sign up. We got three different ways you can experience it. The first one is a bonus pass and those are limited because the bonus pass, we ship you an awesome package. I just saw it yesterday. Couldn't believe everything in it. I want the box. You want the box, trust me. So go get those last few boxes and the session. You can also get the digital pass for a year where you can watch all of it and you're gonna want that because there are so many breakouts, you're not gonna possibly be able to get all the content in on August 15th. And then we also just have the day pass, which if you're on a budget, we get that and we wanted to provide that for you. That's only $29. So go get it, go snag that pass and let's see what God does August 15th. Do not miss it.